Welcome to another QuackCast, the skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. Oops, I'm sorry. I mean alternative and complementary medicine. This podcast is done in the end of June 2006. Today we're going to talk about prayer. This is brought to you as a side project of Pusware LLC, the publisher of the Purse of Flazer's annotated compendium of infectious disease facts, opinion, and dogma. Your Uber hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases available at pusware.com where you can find the Persiflagers podcast, a bi-weekly review of the infectious disease literature. If you do a search of podcasts in medicine, the bulk of the results will point you to many sites on complementary and alternative medicine, all of which are, well, garbage. There's the excellent quackwatch.com, which is the source of all things quackery. There are plenty of skeptical sites, but... There's a lack of podcasts that look skeptically at alternative medicine. And this is a shame as, to judge from the medical school in my neck of the woods, critical thinking and alternative medicine do not seem to go together. So you are in luck. I'm an infectious disease doctor with a long interest in things skeptical, and I've been honing my podcast skills for almost a year now with my infectious disease podcasts, available at pusware.com, by the way. And so I've decided to branch out my podcasting into the other area of life and medicine that interests me, and have embarked upon what will be a series of short podcasts covering various aspects of alternative medicine. Luke Spinoza said, quote, I have made a ceaseless effort not to ridicule, nor to bewail, nor to scorn human actions, but to understand them, end quote. This does not apply to me. Ridicule and scorn are two of my favorite approaches to alternative medicine, because it is all so stupid and requires a healthy dose of evidence-based ridicule. And as time goes on, you shall see why. So now, on to my vicious screed. Prayer. Although, I like to do an evaluation of the basic theory of a quack remedy before I look at its efficacy, I am not going to do that with prayer. The basic principle is that God answers prayers, and 25,000 years of civilization has yet to produce definitive evidence for the existence or non-existence of God, and even I, with my supreme arrogance, do not think I can settle that argument for you. For the sake of this podcast, we will presume the existence of a Christian God of the Bible, then proceed to see if, as judged by the published medical literature, prayer is an efficacious therapeutic modality. For those of you who hate the stress that suspense engenders, and it is assumed by most people that stress is bad for you, I will bring you to the end and tell you up front, it don't work. There's my good deed for the day. Those of you who are worried about the effects of stress in your life have one less stressful event to worry about. And stealing a joke from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The first line of evidence is epidemiology. And I think it is of interest to compare Christian scientists to, quote, normal Christians, unquote. What are Christian scientists? Well, they're not scientists. The old joke is they're like grape nuts. They're neither Christian nor scientists. This is a belief system that was invented, or should I say founded, in 1879 by Mary Baker Eddy. They believe that all disease is due to imperfect faith and distance from God, and that perfect health results from perfect faith and prayer, that disease is cured by praying, not by doctors in modern medicine. In fact, they believe that doctors in modern medicine cause disease. Now, since the founder is dead, she must have blown it in the last minute and lost a little bit of belief. But since they eschew medicine in favor of prayer, time-kill curves, or as the CD calls it, comparative mortality, could be of interest. There are several epidemiology studies that have showed the lack of efficacy of Christian science. 
One was an autopsy study that, from King County, Washington, that showed the Christian scientists not only died at an earlier age than non-Christian scientists, that they had a cancer rate twice the national average, and that 6% of Christian scientists' deaths were medically preventable. The CDC did a study where they looked at death rates in groups of people who graduated from two colleges, one a Christian science college, the other an Adventist college, and found their mortality rate so from 1945 to 1983. They found that those who went to the Christian science had a markedly higher mortality rate. For men, it was 40 per thousand versus 22 per thousand in the Adventist college. And for women, it was 27 per thousand versus 12 per thousand in the Adventist college. So the Christian scientists had twice the mortality rate between 1945 and 1983, as did non-Christian scientists. As in all epidemiologic studies, there are potentially other confounding variables that make the data open to a variety of interpretations. For the sake of this podcast, I'm going to say that, at least for Christian scientists, prayer does not work for curing disease. Now, it may be that, indeed, they are not, quote, real Christians, unquote, something I heard frequently during the Clinton years. And there are many groups out there on the Internet that claim that the Christian scientists are not, quote, real Christians, unquote. And therefore, it may be the reason that they are praying to the wrong God. Shiva be praised. Maybe these adults were all sinners and getting the justifiable wrath of a vengeful God. And, as I always say, that the plural of anecdote is anecdotes, not data, but is of interest to look at the collected case reports of children who died when their illnesses were treated with prayer. At least under these circumstances, one can perhaps presume that prayer might work for innocent children. I refer you to an article in the journal Pediatrics entitled Child Fatalities from Religion-Motivated Medical Neglect, the contents of which are available online. They collected deaths of children who were treated with prayer from 1975 to 1995 and identified 172 children who died due to medical neglect because of religious faith. And scientists are not the only people who do not seek medical care. And some of the groups that will avoid seeing doctors include the Church of the Firstborn, the End Time Ministries, the Faith Assembly, the Faith Tabernacle, our old friends at the First Church of Christ Scientists, i.e. the Christian Scientists. The sad thing about all these cases is that they were primarily treatable illnesses that should have survived. The majority of these were preventable or treatable infectious diseases. Number two would be diabetes and then a smattering of cancers and surgical lesions, including seven kids who died of an appendicitis, 22 kids who died of pneumonia, 12 kids who died of diabetes. It's very sad to see how these children die with the modality of prayer and belief. Then again, maybe they weren't real Christians and maybe they were praying to the wrong God. Baal be praised. So that's it for the epidemiologic studies. What about the clinical studies? Well, so far this century, there have been two studies that have had the biggest brouhaha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-
then after pregnancy was assessed, the data was unmasked, and it was found that those who were prayed for had a higher implantation rate, 16%, versus those who weren't, 8%, and that those who became pregnant came, became so at a higher rate, 50%, versus those who weren't, 26%. Finally, God has revealed himself in a South Korean fertilization clinic, despite the fact that the Catholic God would say that this is a bad thing. At least according to the Pope, who evidently talks to God frequently, says that in vitro fertilization is a no-no. So I guess you can say that the Protestant God does increase your fertility rates. However, this study is now mired in controversy. The article has been withdrawn and republished. The final author, Dr. Lobo, has removed his name. The middle author, Mr. Worth, who has his degree in parapsychology, has been sentenced to five years in a federal prison for financial fraud. Dr. Bruce Flam has a nice review of the methodologies of this study, which he says are flawed and inconsistent. And the whole study now is felt to be, if not a badly done study, certainly a fraudulent study and can probably not be put in the category of proof of the efficacy of prayer. Next thing you know, you'll, they'll be saying that there's fraudulent cloning research in South Korea. Now, first person to let me know which logical fallacy I just used will win a nickel. The biggest study to have brouhaha about it was published this year in the American Heart Journal entitled Study of Therapeutic Effects of Intercessory Prayer in Cardiac Patients, a Multicenter Randomized Trial, blah, blah, blah. April 15, 2006, and they had three groups of patients, those who received prayer after being informed they may or may not receive prayer, patients who did not receive prayer after being informed that they may or may not receive prayer, and a group of patients who received prayer after being informed that they would receive prayer. Now, what did this study show? Well, no benefits of prayer, but a subgroup of patients got more complications, and it was those who knew they were going to be prayed for. In this study, the patients who were told they were going to be prayed for and were prayed for had a higher complication rate. Now, this is probably just the fact that in any study there's noise and that it's never clear-cut, the old regression to the mean issue. However, one could also conclude that if you're trying to prove that God exists, he's going to punish you for it. The response to this study, I think, is best summed up by Dr. Harold Koenig, who's an associate professor of medicine, who said, quote, scientific studies are just not capable of showing that prayer works, unquote. Then he goes on to say, quote, I think the prayer absolutely does work. So the ability for people to hold two contradictory pieces of information in their mind is always impressive. The most thoughtful review of this was by Dr. Shermer, who writes and publishes the Skeptic Magazine, who says, and I quote, the ultimate fallacy of such studies is theological. If God is omniscient and omnipotent, he should not need to be reminded or inveigled that someone needs healing. Scientific prayer makes God a celestial lab rat, leading to bad science and worse religion, end quote. For the sake of time, I will refer you to Slate Magazine. The reference is available on my website and on this podcast in an article by William Salatan that says what the study prayer tells us about God. And he lists 17 attributes about God one can infer from the prayer study just mentioned. It's an amusing article that I will not go in at length here. But safe to say, based on this study, that not only did prayer not work, it actually did harm. 
Now, what about meta-analysis? The always amazing meta-analyzing Cochrane folks have done a meta-analysis in prayer. I bet they've done a meta-analysis on meta-analyses and found them to be wanting. But they did a meta-analysis on prayer and found that it did not work. Although, as is frequently the case in the meta-analysis, and this predated the one on coronary artery disease and the reproductive study, that the quality of the studies were such that no conclusive conclusions could be made. Finally, I'll just refer you to a nice editorial on Medscape entitled Searching in the Darkness about prayer and medical cures that was posted on 3205 and can be referenced from the website in this podcast. A nice review of the importance of keeping superstition out of the practice of medicine. So what can we say in summary? What can we conclude? Well, that prayer probably does not work as a means of medical therapy, that it may cause more harm than good, especially if it's your only form of medical therapy. Beyond that, I will only say that I am certainly going to hell. Mail, mail, mail. I got something in the mailbox. My first email. Subject. Wow, are you freaking kidding me? Body of the mail. Dear doctor, get a clue. Thanks. I'd like here to apologize for not having a clue, and I shall endeavor to locate one with alacrity. With insightful commentary such as this, it's no surprise that I continue to have disbelief in the efficacy of alternative medicine. This is also one of the logical fallacies where you attack the speaker rather than his substance of his argument. Since I like to practice evidence-based ridicule, this is not unlike the pot calling the kettle black. But thank you for your email, and I hope to have more in the future. And that brings us to the end of this quack cast, an occasional review and rant on alternative medicine, brought to you as a side project of Pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflagers podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases. References available both on this podcast and on my webpage, copyright 2006, on the Creative Commons. Please send your hate mail and spam to quackcast at pusware.com. The music is by my son when he was 12, improvising on the guitar. And if you'll excuse me, I need to go get my chi balanced. 